If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. An Erio's original. To come out as gay merited you the cover of Time magazine. Right. Whereas like today, I don't even know what you could you would need to do in order to land on the cover of Time, but simply proclaiming you're gay now is sort of like, okay, and... There's so much it happening, and how are we going to talk about it in comedy? I don't know. I'm going to start with Nancy Pelosi wearing a kente. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. I am the host of The Margaret Cho. That's The Margaret Cho. That's my name. Okay, I am, like, obsessed with our guest today. He's the host of a podcast called Shut Up, Evan. It's Evan Ross Katz. You're gonna love. You're gonna love it. I was listening to your um, podcast this morning. Uh, what you recorded with um, with Rose McGowan, which was a great, great interview. The two of you. Do you guys did a film together? No, we're in the. Uh, I was in the Doom Generation. Doom Generation. I was gonna say. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have known her since then, of course. And and oh uh, she's. I mean, she's amazing. She's just. I, I, I'm always impressed by every different thing she's done, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just... Yeah. I, and I was I was really impressed, too, when she was talking about her sexuality because it really... It made sense to me because if you had known her in the 90s, she was... Tri- she was so strikingly beautiful that it was terrifying, actually. Mm. Like, you would see her in a room and I would be scared because it was like that kind of beauty was like so arresting that you were like frightened not of her but kind of for her because it was like this thing of like what do we do <laughs> oh my what yeah. is it? what's gonna happen <laughs> what's gonna happen i would feel that way around her and then i would feel that way around original buffy christy swanson mm. i would get scared. well I, I was gonna say love christy swanson but actually the opposite but i did love christy swanson but you, you know that that kind of the the, mm-hmm. the uh the the physical form would be yeah, i would be absolutely. scared I would be yeah. I would be like scared for the the other Buffy was was so Sarah Michelle Gell- Geller was so self assured she was just as beautiful but she was so on top of it 
and so self-assured that you didn't have that fear for her. Mm-hmm. But there was something about Rose, the innocence of her uh, openness of her eyes. Yeah, you, you, I was afraid. Yeah, I think it, it, it's really because, as you mentioned, it's like Rose is such a complex being, and I feel like oftentimes people like to take sound bites of things that that Rose has said and take them out of context. And you know, Rose has become such a popular meme and a gif, and she's someone who is looked upon in a certain way in a lot of in a lot of our uh, pop culture sphere. And I think a lot of people don't allow her to. Uh, be like a fully formed human being who makes mistakes because she's in the public eye. And so one thing I really like about Rose is like, she is the first person to say, I fucked up. I said the wrong thing. She is not prideful when it comes to um, making mistakes and the the willingness to admit that. So I just, I feel like people oftentimes uh, portray Rose to be the person that they saw in a specific interview or a specific moment in time and don't allow her to be, a dynamic human being, but she is. She is. I really look up to her. I mean, she's just really phenomenal in so many different ways. And like, you know, but just talk about like perfect, like fashion moments of the ages, like over the ages, like in so many ways, like every era, like I can just pick. And, you know, you mentioned in the interview, like that moment at the MTV, like the red carpet with Marilyn Manson, the best the best the best with that like jeweled naked dress like and that yep. body like that body just kills me like the body you don't even need clothes with that body Mm-mm. because you don't even look naked because your body's so perfect yeah it's like who's it, wearing that body perfect it's also it's like if you think about it, it's like how many red carpet looks from over the years you know really stay secured in your mind the way that moment does mm-hmm. the Bjork swan dress. Oh, it's best. like there are certain moments. And so it just goes to show you, it's really not always about looking the most glamorous or mm-hmm. looking the most beautiful. This actually ties back to what we we're saying about drag, which is that like, there's this um, tendency amongst a lot of people to sort of the, to obtain glamor and beauty and, 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 and that standard, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. But I think that in that Rose moment with that highlights and kind of the drag, the drag that I'm drawn to is a little bit more off kilter and a little bit more eye catching, which is exactly what that Rose moment is. It's not necessarily, it's peculiar and you just want to look at it more and talk about it, which is Mm -hmm. my favorite kind of fashion. I love it. Well, I think with that, with that moment, what was so striking is the strength. It's the strength of like, here is this like perfect raven hair beauty. And I didn't know the context of the moment. Nobody knew the context of the of moment of like, you know, what had happened with Harvey Weinstein and what had happened to her. And all they knew was, you know, she was there with, with Marilyn Manson. She was this actress star that she's beautiful and she's with this rock star and that, you know, this great moment for beautiful ingenue to be there. It's like, of course, this is perfect. It's kind of beauty and the beast moment, really, because he's like this very, very dangerous looking guy. Completely. Who's also kind of like having a very gender fuck kind of moment too, which is really cool. Super cool. Yeah. I, I, there's something about them as a couple that is just, uh, stands the test of time in terms of interest. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. so often you think back upon celebrity couples and you're like, Oh my God, you know, an example would be like, 
Gwyneth and Brad, right? Mm-hmm. We're like this huge power couple. No one really remembers them as such, right? They're really, I don't think of them in the same ether anymore. Whereas like with Marilyn and Rose, despite the fact that they weren't even together that long, but there's just something about the gender fuck of it all, I think, as you pointed out, that uh, it just stays in your brain. They were just were so, as you said, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, but he's also a beauty too. I always really... I really enjoy him. I I I love, love. him. But yeah, the the 90s was really I mean, it's a funny thing cuz I think of like, oh, we've been around so long and you know, but it isn't. But you're a young one. You're a young. You're a young. I think of you as one of the young the the children. I think of you as the childrenary children. <laughs> I'm 31, so I feel like I'm in, like I'm between in that like my references are, can kind of go all over the place. I feel like I can speak the language of the internet, um, but also my interests are sort of, I'm never really drawn to what's current. That's sort of not my sensibility in terms of fashion, media, what have you. So I kind of, I, this age at this time is very interesting because I think it straddles two generations. Mm-hmm. So you have like reference, you have reference to other things uh, outside of your age range because I guess you yes. technically... Um, it would be Gen Z, like yeah. Gen Z, but beyond. You were A yeah. to Z, uh, A to Z familiar. Yeah, and I'm also able to, and this is just my particular sensibility, no disrespect to anyone that feels differently, Like, but something like TikTok, for instance, it's like, that's something I'm never going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt similarly about Snapchat. It's just that like there's certain things that I feel like, even though I'm of the demographic that could engage with stuff like that, in those moments, I just, it's like, for me, it's like Instagram, Twitter is enough. I, I can't do, I can't do more. So it's like, in those moments, I think if I was younger, I would just be like, well, I have to do this. It's what everyone else is doing. But I feel like at 31, I can be a little bit more arms crossed and just be like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's a little bit, a lot. It's a little bit, yeah. a lot. Well, the TikTok is hard for me because I, I got stuck on trying to learn um, the Megan the Stallion Savage dance, and it was really uh-huh. hard for me to because it was like I couldn't do it face on. If I had to, to mirror, maybe if I could do it mirroring, I don't know. <laughs> it was hard to do it face on. It was because I was trying to do it backwards, and I I needed to. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's hard to do the dances. Yeah, it depends. Like it's like if certain celebrities that I follow do it. I'm in. Like I, like, I will always want to watch Lisa Rinna dancing on TikTok. I will, I will watch Lisa Rinna dancing wherever she's dancing. But it's just for me personally, it was just like I, I think at, at at where I'm at with it, I'm kind of like that's just the the thought of me engaging in that. That's just not what I do, and I don't do mm-hmm. it well. God bless those that do. But I think for me, again, a lot of like what being thirty comes with being thirty one. For this moment, for me, is kind of knowing my lane a little bit more and being able to say like. I'm, I shouldn't be dancing on TikTok. Oh, well, I miss Lisa Rinna's boutique on Ventura Boulevard, Ugh. you know, before the <laughs> pandemic. In, the, in 2007, I would go to Lisa Rinna's boutique and she'd be folding mm. those juicy couture <laughs> pants suits, those zip-up pants, velour pantsuits, and r- folding them. And, oh, so sad. So sad. Truly a legendary human being. Lisa Rinna is really incredible. I mean, yeah, she really is incredible. She really, she's yeah. got so many, so many lives, so many different entities, so many lives. Totally. So many different things she's done. She's incredible. Yeah. And also there's just this sense about her not taking herself too seriously. No, she's great. That is so 
again, it's like, I always come back to saying, this is queer. There's just something really queer about Lisa Rinna to me, not mm-hmm. her sexuality, but it just in terms of like, there's a willingness to be stupid and look stupid and be dumb and be laughed at. And I just feel like Lisa Rinna always gets the last laugh. And in terms of like personalities that I envy, I, I love someone that can learn to laugh at themselves. And mm-hmm. I feel like someone like Lisa Rinna, it's like, she does it. She could, it could have gone so many other ways when you have, you know, the success in the nineties that she had and she's just so normal, but also completely at home on a show like the real house of Beverly Hills. And I love that duality. Yeah. Mm. She fits right in and it feels good. And it feels, it feels right. Like it's the right thing. (laughs) But it's funny because people will be, people will be like, Oh, like Lisa Rinna from the real house was of Beverly Hills. And it's like, I'm like Lisa Rinna from Melrose Place. It will always be Lisa Rinna from Melrose Place. So it's interesting, again, like going back, being 31, like that generational thing of like, I start to, you know, when I when Eileen Davidson came on the show, I, I knew her as soap opera actress. I, and I, that's how she'll always be programmed in my brain. It's funny how people get introduced or again, RuPaul's Drag Race. People will be like, oh, RuPaul's from RuPaul's Drag Race. And it's like, you and I both know that like, this is the a, a whole new act. This is like completely different than the Ru that, that we both, you know, Mm-hmm. love um mm-hmm. no and that's say we don't love this you know what i mean it's a part of yeah it. yeah but yeah it's like it's interesting how people only sort of know the most recent iteration often right right rupaul i mean it's like rue uh from my life was uh rue from wigstock wigstock and um new york and uh and then before that it was rue who was uh friends with lady bunny who right <laughs> We are both fans of Lady Love Bunny Lady is Bunny. is the funniest. Yeah, the funniest. The, the funniest. But no, you also had. I listened to the podcast that you did with Jackie Beat, and mm. speaking of really funny people, Jackie yes. and Lady Bunny, like that humor, because um, they share that that just ability to say something that's not funny, and because of their delivery, you think you're hearing a joke. Because yes. the delivery is just—it's like it's like this built-in quality with 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 them. It's just everything lands. It's so dry it. and deadpan, and um, also they're very good at you know like using these um, old old school kind of insults like half wit. Oh, that <laughs> like that yes. half wit and. And this kind of, that kind of, whatever, the, it, it's a very, um, it, it is kind of old fashioned, but it's also, I think, so modern too. I, I really love, I really love them. They they really let, make me laugh a lot. And a Lady yeah. Bunny is actually way more um, of a political progressive than people even realize, you know. Completely. She's, she's quite, she, I mean, she's, she gets really deep into it, you know, which I, I really appreciate all the time. Yeah, but she's really it's funny fun. because it's like she steps in shit a lot of the time on social media and people get really mad at her. And I think that people often don't really take the time to engage with what she's really saying. And so I just think she is such an intelligent, studied, like educated person about the subject subjects that she's speaking to. And so I think a lot of times people write her off and just think, well, you're just a drag queen. What, what do you know? And it's like, no, Bunny Bunny knows her stuff. Like Bunny is, yeah. is studied on what she talks about. Bunny doesn't speak out of turn. Um, and she's just a force. But I mean, again, it's like that drag sensibility is kind of like 
it's like her drag is rooted in her talent, which is her talent with her ability to speak, right? Her elocution. And it, the look is the same. Look doesn't change. And so now, again, it's like with the glamour queens of it all and, you know, expensive wigs and all that stuff. I kind of love that bunny drag, which is like, as long as that wig is glued down, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. It doesn't matter. She's not beating her face down. It's like, that's not the gig. The gig mm-hmm. is, bunny is the gig. Like yeah. the gig doesn't need to be... um fashion in any type of way that's just an accoutrement like and I and I love yeah. that sensibility yeah I love that I mean it really is it, it is about the the message and the comedy behind it and it's it's funny and it's smart and it's really it, I mean she's really she's really gifted in that you know we we've had so much fun over the years and um I always really love seeing her it's weird the summer's going to be so weird because usually in the summer I go to Provincetown um I usually see Bunny and um uh Jackie whether it's um going do you go to Provincetown I do that's a fun one yeah that's a fun one I do do showgirls that's my I usually go to showgirls with uh Ryan Landry and those are all my friends Oh, I love it. That's my favorite. Like, I miss it. I miss it. That's usually I'll do like shows at you know out there, um, and then I just it's my excuse to go out there and spend time um, with Ryan Landry and Scott, and then go see their show every year, and 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 just kind of hang out. You know, I, I mean, I really miss Provincetown. That it's weird to not go. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very strange. I mean, I and then I get to catch up on who are the drag queens of the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who are your favorites right now? Who are my favorites right now? I mean, I will always have, I mean, the Aquaria is really um, serving up a lot for me right now in terms mm-hmm. of using her platform and her white privilege to sort of like speak to this moment. And especially as someone who has this really young often white fan base, I feel like her speaking to her audience is the type of people that need to be hearing this message so much. So I really just, and again, like she's like 22 or 23. That's incredible. And so she's really impressive to me as someone who understands, I mean, like, as I'm sure you know, of course, you know, drag is political, right? Like we know Mm this. And so I just, I appreciate her rising to this moment so much. And then I just tend to like any, if you're like a drag queen that's been at this for like 15, 20 years, I'm sold. Like if you started doing this before it became popular and I've kept with it, I'm already interested. Like I'm in, like I'm invested because it's just like the grit and the tenacity of drag and also like pursuing an art form that is not a yellow brick road to money in any sense. Mm -hmm. Like that to me it, that just that sensibility I, I'm in love with you immediately like I love you already I I I, I just love an old school drag queen mm-hmm. you know because yeah. like it's it's wonderful now that you can be on a reality television show and get Instagram sponsorships and thousands of dollars I love that don't get me wrong and it's a huge you know um, ecosystem for the queer community but there was a time when it's like to be a drag queen um, you were not exalted within the community right no you know? no not and at so all. I yeah so I really uh Anyone who's kind of been at it for a long time, I have so much respect for. Yes, I really, I, I do, I do too. I, I really do admire. There's so many. I mean, there's so many. Like, I think that it's just. I, I mean, the the ones that I always get really excited to see. I guess well, Manila. I love <laughs> Manila. Um, Raja. I love. Um, yes. Bob. Speaking, Bob. Yeah. Bob is really. 
Bob really yeah. likes to be like And you know, Bob is like a great example of like, Bob is a drag queen, but also Bob is a writer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So funny, like, yeah. and, and so like Bob can craft jokes and mm-hmm. like Bob's talents are so widespread because it's like, you see some girls who there's like an Alyssa Edwards, for instance, who's just kind of like has a funny delivery about her and a funny way in which she, you just kind of, you're, you, she's funny. She's inherently funny. But with someone like Bob, it's like, there's a real craftsmanship to the joke writing, you know, that I appreciate on this level of like, that's even deeper than just the drag where it's like, even without the hair and makeup, even Bob just walking in the room um, without the drag, the talent still shines through, um, which can't be said of all queens. Um, it's just so even yes, like milking Bob. it, like the Bob of like just milking it. Like when they were doing like those those scenes of like Cookie and like I think they were recreating scenes of like Taraji Cookie as Cookie Bob as Cookie oh taking off the the mink coat, just taking it, taking off a coat and <laughs> like yes, just taking so long to do it, like. Milking the moment is really what I love about Bob. Like taking forever to do something is really silly and funny and cute and beautiful. And I love I love that kind of uh, stage crafting, you know, which is so, so fun and so funny and and silly and great. And then Bianca, too. I love um, the blueprint. Yeah, (laughs) it's so silly. Wait, can I ask you a question about about comedy? Yes. Okay, just because, like, first of all, I just have to thank you so much. I'm, like, such a huge fan of yours for such a long time. And it's such an honor to be in conversation with you. Okay, so, like, you are a queer woman that came up at a time before queerness in Hollywood and in comedy in general, like, wasn't as as accepted as it is now. Mm -hmm. Who were, like, the other queer comics that were coming up around you that you sort of used to, like, kiki with and, like, really connected with on your queerness? was around then there was uh jerry jewel do you remember her jerry jewel she was on um facts of life she was the jerry's oh, okay. the cousin she okay. and i did a couple of shows together um that uh would it was like comedy shows um there was um lois bromfield she was a comedian there was um Ellen was doing comedy shows uh, at the time. I was opening for her a little bit. There was, um, what other like women? Well, Wanda Sykes, of course, was yeah, doing yeah. comedy around. Um, Kate oh, Clinton yeah. was around. Kate Clinton, Kate Clinton, everybody. It's so weird because like the women, oh, Bob Smith. There was like the funny gay males. The, like, the funny gay males were like, Bob Smith had been doing The Tonight Show. And that was a really big deal because he was, uh, I think, the first out gay male comic to do The Tonight mm. Show. Um, I feel like that was like in the early 90s. And that was a really, really big deal. Because it was still Johnny Carson, I believe. So, um, and Jason Stewart was around then. Rip Taylor. Was that Rip Taylor? But he never came out, which is such huh. a weird, even after... After all that, and then he died, and he never came out. Can you believe that? No. I mean, it's I still mean, odd to me, even thinking, like, the Ellen um, time cover is a 1997, and it's like, you know, and obviously, you know this really well. It's like, it's that time is not long ago at all, mm-hmm. and so 
I just think a lot about like when there was this Hollywood in the not too distant past in, in which like to be, to come out as gay merited you the cover of time magazine. Right. Whereas like today you would need to like, you know, I don't even know what, I don't even know what you could you would need to do in order to land on the cover of time, but simply proclaiming your gay now is sort of like, okay. And, um, and we got there so fast and it's just, it's really fascinating to me. Oh, but you know who was really openly gay was Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson mm. and Aaliyah Delaria and I um, and oh. Jackie Beat were around Hollywood in 1994 and 95. And we uh, were probably like the most openly queer, because you can't hide, I mean, Leah and Scott <laughs> and me and Jackie. I mean, you can't, can't hide it. Can't, what can't, a group. Can't hide it for shit. And um, so we were like bombing around Hollywood, um, running around and drinking and, and smoking pot and not even very good pot, but running around. And I remember that very clearly. And that, that it was kind of, oh, I think Andy Dick was around then too, a lot. So that was sort of a queer crew. Um, you know, and Scott Thompson, I think, is really important to the story because uh, he also, I think, contributed a lot to... Um, gay comedy but uh you don't hear his name being brought up a lot but he really was important you know he's the gay member of the kids in the hall and uh, the first gay comic that i sort of remember on television but a really a really really important part of that conversation i remember he was on the cover of um a queer magazine and he had a shirt that said uh, a silence equals quiet and <laughs> I was like, that's such a good read. Like, who's mm. going what, what, oh my God, you're going to read ACT UP? I mean, that's really, that's pretty good to read. <laughs> that is really good. I mean, really but I think people oh. were like, that's too soon, honey. You're going to read it? <laughs> I mean, it's like, we were just learning to read, girl. How, mm. how are you going to read ACT UP if we were just learning to read? But I think right. that's really, um, that's a really funny one. But yeah, I think I think Scott was maybe probably the first of of like the like when we we're like thinking about early gay um, people in Hollywood. That that's the one person that I remember as being. I mean, other than, I mean, who was like the first gay to come out really publicly? Publicly, like I mean, I feel like Ellen's the one that's sort of seen as like um, the first. But then also there was that SNL cast member. Um, oh, Ter- that was yeah, out. Terry Sweeney. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think there was visibility, but I think it's sort of like, it was like a matter of like how mainstream you were prior to your coming out. I think like Ellen was the biggest star at the time. Right. Um, but then it's like nowadays, you know. Yes. It's like weird if you're straight. Like I know it is weird. It is weird. Straight yeah. people are so weird. But it's funny too, because it's like, as we, it's like, it's especially interesting in the entertainment industry, just, you know, knowing how many LGBTQ plus people are working it behind the scenes and have always been there. So I think that's the part of it that's always like interest interested me, which mm-hmm. is that it's like entertainment is the fucking gayest. Um, yeah. But it just took a long time before that was like, you know, accepted. I know. I know. Entertainment is the gayest. It's so gay. So gay. <laughs> Where can people find all of your things? You're such a funny, you're so funny on Instagram. I always check your feed because I'm always laughing 
You're all your so grids, sweet. always laughing at your feed, always laughing on your stories. I love your stories. <laughs> You're the best. I get myself in trouble. You really uh, make me laugh. Thank you. It's so nice of you. Um, people can find me. I My preferred medium is Instagram because I love the story feature because I can talk shit and then it's gone in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is at Evan Ross Katz. Um, and then I have my podcast, which is called Shut Up Evan. Um, and it's just interviews with various, L- mostly LGBTQ individuals. I would love to have you on at some point. I would love, love. that. Yes, we've got to um, do that. But yeah, we they're just long form. Yeah, they're long form interviews. I really, I try and like uh, talk to people about subjects that they're not traditionally asked about. That's sort of like my goal to round queer people out so that they're not just seen as um, the one or two major roles that people might know them from or, you know, allow them to be whole beings as I see them. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I love you and I will see you very soon, I hope. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We have a guest who is an old friend of mine and um, somebody who used to open for me. I wrote a movie about him with him called Bam Bam and Celeste. We spent many years together on the road. He has a show at Akbar uh, called Drunk on Stage. It's Bruce Daniels. It's Bruce Daniels. Bruce Daniels. Enjoy. How are you? How are you doing? I don't know. Like, I, I think like um, I, I really I do miss comedy. I do miss doing comedy. Like, I realize how much how all I've done about comedy is complain about doing comedy for uh since 1984 <laughs> and now that i have been take how it's been taken away from me, the ability to do it it's been taken away now i'm really sad <laughs> i really love doing it and i just now realized how much i love it and i am so upset yeah i really really love it and i miss it and i'm so upset that i can't do it and i can't wait to get back to it yeah it's so it's so weird like, cause I'm the laziest comic in the world. Like I just do it once a week and mm-hmm. people ask me to do their shows and I figure out ways to get out of it <laughs> because I also, I now I mostly do television production. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, but I mean, it's still, it's still like, but you still have the touchstone of comedy. Like you return to it once a week. So it's like, it sustains you still like you have, like going back to it once a week, is still a, a pretty healthy connection to it. Yes. 
And then every once in a while I do like Aaron Foley's show at the improv. And then it's just like, and then I go, oh, I'm still good at this. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to like, um, you know, like once a week, it's still like, okay, well, that that's still like a healthy touchstone of like, I'm doing it. How do, how do you think like we can talk about comedy about, I'm trying to figure out like how we're going to talk about the, the whole moment of like all of this change and everything happening through comedy. I mean, there's a lot to talk about and like, there's so much it happening and how are we going to talk about it in comedy? I don't know. I'm going to start yeah. with uh, Nancy Pelosi wearing a kente. <laughs> Cause I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to, I'm going to say like, you know what? It's incredible is that um, the most important moment of 400 years of black liberation and white people still found a way to make it about them. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so true. How did we get to this point? How what? what wait a second. Wait, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> still, it's still about them. How did we? Wait. <laughs> it's, no, but it's crazy. Cra- it's crazy, but it is really. It, we're getting better. It's getting better. We are getting better. I mean, and I think that like only good is going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. Like that's all. I mean, that's my hope. I can't see anything yeah. else but good because it, this is like you can feel that that there's a huge change. Yeah, it does feel better. It it and it really. I think it. What do you think it instigated it? And well, I did. I I don't know. What do you think instigated it? I just think it's like the confluence of everything that happened because it's like forty million people being out of work to go, and you know what? Let's go march. And 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 people like what did I see? I mean, there's so many. Like I don't know who said what, but like you know, they said that you know this is racism hasn't is hasn't gotten worse. It's just being filmed. Mm-hmm. So it's just right. like be, be, people being able to see everything and having right. the time to take it all in. And right. and finally, like white people going, oh shit, this is wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's such a big change i mean for me like it was a lot to do with i think the a, a, a lot to do, of course with um minneapolis and george floyd and what happened there but i actually had a huge experience with um uh, the the woman in the the bird watcher the uh woman who called the the, uh, the police on the bird watcher that freaked me out. That really freaked me out. Like it was so upsetting because it was like she had the murder in her voice. Like this man is murdering me in her voice. And, but the most blank face. Well, the way that she also knew that she had, if she wanted them to react, the police to react or whoever was on the other line, she had to, become dramatic enough so that they would rush to do something to him. Yeah. And that, that the coldness of that and the calculation of that and how simple it was just for the crime of please put your dog on a leash. It wasn't like he was being aggressive about it either. All he did was ask her to, to put her dog on a leash, which was part of the law anyway. 
And it was part of what was on the sign and she should have done it in the first place. Yeah. And he wasn't doing it in an aggressive way. And it wasn't, I mean, that really was disgusting. That was so uh, offensive. Well, also, I loved how prepared he was. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not the first time something like this has happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's just like, you're not going to like what I'm going to do. And then just started filming her. But it was so disgusting. Like, to me, it was, um, that's the kind of racism that I think that we experience more. It's like, that's the the, the dailiness of racism, the the kind of like... um, the more normality of racism that we would see more often. hundred percent. I mean, I'm the most, not on purpose, but I feel like I'm like the most gentrified black guy. Like I've Mm -hmm. accidentally gentrified myself so that people are, I've just conditioned myself to constantly make myself look like I'm safe as fuck. Mm -hmm. Like you're not like, don't you have nothing to worry about me? Like, the women who see me down the street when I'm running, like running at six in the morning, uh, who like will cross the street because all they see is the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even though I'm wearing like red, white, and blue running tights to, and I look like an Avenger, but they're like, <laughs> they're like, uh, they have to like, Oh, black person got across the street. Like that's mm-hmm. just, you know, or and you know where I live. Like my, I live in a nice neighborhood, and still I've lived in this neighborhood for thirteen, fourteen years, and still people will make sure I'm going where I'm supposed to be. Like, is that his house? Like, that's just my life. Yeah, that is so crazy. And, and but on the positive side, I do love my neighborhood because most of the people are like, if they pass you on the street, they say hi. Yeah. But still, it's like that feeling of like, it's a different world that we live in. Like, I mean, it's like, I'm not white, but I couldn't even imagine that. Like, I'm like, that's so crazy. Yeah. Still, like, it's like, I feel like I have like, probably more money in my pocket than most of those people. But like, I remember I was walking down the street. And this guy was on his phone parked and uh, I walked past him and he looked up and saw me and made sure his door was locked. That was his first reaction. And I was like, sir, you're in a Kia. You're fine. (laughs) So it's the truth. It's hard to even blame them because it's just so ingrained in society that I'm something to be feared. Just the color of my skin is something to be feared. Mm -hmm. I think it, I don't know. It's like, I wonder if it's something that we're like taught or I, I grew up in a black neighborhood. So like when we were raised, it's sort of like, we were just, if we had to sort of have that fear, then we would be doing that all the time. So I don't, think we have that because we just would be like that all the time yeah but you didn't if that was if you grew up with that you certainly didn't take that on no no so it would be like so if i so i think it was because we were in a black neighborhood so we just normalized being in a black neighborhood black people were always just part of our environment 
But I mean, as I, I grew up in Hyde Park in Chicago and my parents, we lived in like, like it was basically uh, like a, they called it the, like the white tower because it was the university of Chicago. So they call it the white tower surrounded by the jungle because it was in the ghetto, like it was in the ghetto, but it was this nice little Island in Chicago. And my parents kind of taught us to be afraid of the people in the ghetto mm-hmm. because they didn't want us to maybe be, like become that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like we were taught to like, Oh, stay away from, don't go down that street because mm-hmm. that's a bad street. It's such a strange thing of like when we're just taught to be afraid of like, but what is that? And then, and then what does that even mean? Like, what what are we supposed to be afraid of? And like, what what is what does that even do to ourselves and like our psyche of like, are we supposed to be afraid of each other then? Or I don't I don't even understand. Well, I think that's what it is. Is like they want us, they want everyone to be afraid of each other. They don't like that because you remember that was like the whole thing of like there is no intermingling. Stay in your own group, stay in your own lane. Like that's, that's a, uh, I think a natural, oh, not a natural, but like that's how it was, society was set up then. It was just like that's how racism started. It was not like there's only one race, but mm-hmm. they've decided no, there's, there are races that are better than other races to yeah. make that one, that white race feel better about themselves. Well, they just didn't want us to trust each other or something like if we had unity, there would be um, that if, if we if we as like minorities banded together, then we would outnumber white people and then they, there would be a problem. I think that was more of an issue. But like even like looking back in high school, like in like middle school and like elementary school and history totally glossed over slavery in a very brief way. So they sort of like said it happened, but there was no detail that and like all of the murder of uh, indigenous people, like nothing about that. Like it was very glossed over very quickly. Like it's sort of a little bit history of it, but not any of it. Like much more like lip service given to like, the Revolutionary War and the colonies and pilgrims in this history, there was very, very little about uh, the Civil War, like sort of like Lincoln made to be at this big hero. All Yeah, all we ever heard was, oh, he freed the slaves. And then you saw Roots and then you're like, oh, this isn't <laughs> as nice as, the, as my social studies book. Yeah. But the the thing about it is that slaves were really that was the material that was sort of the material wealth was in slaves. That was what the uh, money was. The money was built on the monetary value of human bodies. That's what the 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 material wealth of the nation was built on were people, and that's the 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 truth of America, which is the horrible truth. That's why reparations is actually like a real important valuable idea but people can't even get their head around that no no and they don't want to because yeah. then 
they feel they'll then they'll feel bad and then there'll be people like you know who try to say that there isn't a, a race problem and that we're we have a chip on our shoulders and no but it's but it's a real the 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 thing about it is that the value was people's lives lost because of slavery that the value was slaves right and not that much has changed because no. you know they certainly didn't they wanted us to be free but they certainly wanted us to still be controlled right and nothing n- nothing is clear either because we there's so much history lost you know there's so much of it has been suppressed and so much we don't know like that that to me is really troubling is that we have to sort of piece together what our abusers have allowed us to know mm-hmm. and what we've been able to uh, recover. So it's a very kind of um, lost memory. Some of it's recovered. Some of it's lost forever. Um, some of it will never be recovered and some of it will never know. And it's really upsetting. Like it's just now kind of coming clear, but we'll never really know the truth of what happened. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what's so disgusting about it. And it's such a disgusting betrayal and it it's like uh I I wish that there was some way that we could have true justice, but the only way is to really live it now, you know, to right the wrong now. Yeah. How it really happens is sort of the test of time. I mean, you know, I would love to say that things could really shift i would like to see that but i i I don't know i don't know i i I think that things are shifting but we'll see i think so i mean i feel like yes definitely holding police accountable but also taking away all of that power like they don't need to have all that power i don't they they i don't understand why they feel i don't know where it was learned that they can do whatever they want and mm-hmm. suffer no consequence. Right. And also it's kind of like, it, it, it's kind of like where, uh, I, I guess it's like, where does all of it go? Like, why is it all sort of built up that way? Like all these city institutions and why do they all sort of side in one direction? Like all of it kind of sides to, like kind of one establishment why can't it kind of all be more spread out like why does all of the power and the money all sort of get one in one way and why can't it all sort of be decided in more of a balanced way um which i think city government should all be sort of more of a balanced idea as opposed to just kind of a a one establishment which it seems to all kind of be one way but it's it's i don't i don't really understand it either but it seems like it's got to be shifted somehow, but I feel like things now, I feel like what's really improved is um, social media has improved some things so much because now we have more of a way of like getting information to each other, which I think is really important and also connecting with each other more. And the kids have figured out ways to get it. So you're not, they don't get tracked by it, which is amazing, which is amazing. And the kids are like, so I, I love how they're really learning so much. And, but I just get confused. I'm like, I don't know. Put up a black square. Don't put up a black square. I, I don't know what you're doing with your, just, I don't. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got reprimanded <laughs> several times that day for putting up my black square. And I, was just, and I, I didn't realize that I was supposed to continue to talk. You were the melanated voices that were supposed to be amplified. So you didn't, you don't, you. Yeah, I'm supposed to keep talking. I'm supposed to put up all the pictures I want. You keep talking. Oh, 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 okay. You had to keep talking, but that's hard to know. It's like, oh, okay. Because you forget, like, where do I fit in the conversation? And then where do I stop talking and when do I start? But then it's good to know, like, it's like, okay, you have to stop, like, don't be scared to make mistakes either. Because when you make a mistake, it's actually, instead of looking at it as a mistake, looking at it as an opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah, definitely. Which is the best part. You know, I think that we don't have to think about it like as a, uh, it's cancel culture because it's not like that. No. Yeah, I wouldn't think of it as cancel culture. It's, yeah, I just feel like this is my opportunity to continue to learn, which I've always enjoyed in the first place. Yeah. So, and the kids are teaching that. me. I think it's a, I think it's a very important time. I mean, it's, it's like a weird, I just think it's weird. Like why anybody would want to side with the oppressor it's just not sexy it's not at all and you see like the videos of like uh, i think it was some guy in idaho just yelling like and they're just and then like all the kids are just going peace 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 i was like well this must be what it was like in the 60s of just like peace peace and he's just it's just ramping him up he cannot stop and he's just like Fuck you, fuck you, get out of here. And they're just like, peace, peace. Yeah, it's just not cute. It's like really not cute. Or the guy with a crossbow in Utah. Or did you see the guy in Texas with the chainsaw? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, girl. Like, come on. A chainsaw? I mean, I know it's Texas. And he was Mexican. But that's that thing of like, setting classes like setting races of people against each other of like oh you're no like you're not as good as this one but you're better than that one right well sometimes it is it is one of those things of like um when uh it's um more recent immigrants that are set against um no, like more established immigrants set against more recent immigrants or that kind of thing of like, um, we've been here longer, so you don't get to be here or that kind of thing. Or it is that, that sort of tokenism. It's like, we want to be the only one. Like our video, like remember our cartoon grocery yeah, store. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. We want, we're, we're, we're taking the focus away on, we need to band together. We need to be doing what's right which is hating white people. <laughs> but it really, I mean, it is really definitely like, it is such a weird thing because every, when I'm like looking at social media and it's, it's real, I think I just follow a lot of white people because it's, because everything is just like, I realize that it's not my place to, to talk about like, <laughs> why, my, why, every, everything is a Audrey Lord. Everything is like a James Baldwin and everybody is also white. I'm glad that everybody's learning, but it is really funny because it's very much, um, I mean, it is beautiful, but it's, 
it's really cute how white people always make it about white people. It's cute. My favorite part of this, like my laugh, my laughter comes from watching white people go after each other about what they can and cannot say. That's my favorite. And I'm just like texting people. It's like, oh, you have got to see this. Karen went after Karen. I think it's really cute. Like, I think it's really like this. This is fun for us because it's just like another version of. Um, do you remember bum fights? Bum fights is when they used to give like the uh, those like the uh, like homeless guys like ten dollars and they would fight and then they made it illegal because it is actually really terrible. It's a horrible, horrible thing. It's a really exploitation of human beings. But this is like less so because it's like white people <laughs> like giving giving them some ammunition to like fight each other but it's very it's it's a it's a very interesting kind of thing because it's sort of virtue signaling like but it's also their arguments around um privilege like who has privilege and who is utilizing their privilege in the wrong way and the right way and stuff and i think it's it's interesting i mean i think it's really i think it's a meaningful because it's almost like um, now we're doing it uh, in a way that that this is this is important. This is actually an important time to do it, and it's important to do this way. Now they're actually like examining their own privilege in a way that's very meaningful, which is really good. Um, well, we're gonna fight the revolution, fight the power. We have to, and also it's like it's also we're we're doing it, but also like. The kids are doing it. Like they are doing it. Doing it. And doing it. And it's also like it's a white person's pro like they they created this. They created yeah. all this. Like it's their thing to fix. But luckily I feel like they're receptive. The majority yeah. seems receptive into fixing it. Yeah. And it's happening. And it's it's really good. I'm really glad. And I'm really glad to watch it. And it's really it's nice to see. It's lovely to see. So where can people find out about your show and then and you and what's happening? Oh God. Uh, I guess either the socials like uh, Br- there's a drunk on stage at Akbar page on Facebook and then Bruce Daniels on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. And I will talk to you very soon. It's taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Tracy Levy and original music by Garrison Starr. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I don't know where to start. Coming out of the dark. Powered by ACAST. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.